You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, podcast listeners. Thanks so much, as always, and thank you from our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Dedicated solely to uh, making sure you're not going to get screwed by the insurance companies. That's right. Now, they may not use that language, but I did. They'll document any actions of bad faith by the insurer, and uh, they'll protect your rights and hold the insurance company accountable. That's a good thing. They're not Morgan & Morgan. they got offices throughout the state of Florida. If you file a claim and you don't get back what you think you should, it's not over there. Call the Morgan Law Group. They'll go out and fight for you. Storms, hurricanes, roof damage, lightning, mold, fires, boats, sinkholes, you name it. Give a call today, 888-904-2524, or go to policyadvocate.com. On with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols and pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 97 ESPN Radio begins right now in all of its glory. And we thank you for being here to be part of it. I see Ira, I see Corey on my screen. We're talking about FSU football. We'll take your questions. We might have random discussions about who knows what. Hello, boys. How are you? I'm hanging in there, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm in a good mood. I've been inspired by Ira's stories this week. Corey, oh. not yours. Well, of course. But, but Ira's stories have inspired me this week. I, I can't – can you write a story every day about Leonard Warner? Because I'm telling you, man, the guy's got me motivated. That's, that's what I'm here for, Jeff. I'm going to be – I'm going to be the cheerleader. I'm going to be the one getting everybody fired up right until they pull the plug. And then I'll be like, yeah, hey. Don't be that guy. Hey. Don't be that guy. And then I'll be like, hey, at least I gave you some good moments. Yep, yep. You gave us some hope. I actually will say time and again, and I have – all throughout this process, every day they get to practice, every day they get to be together, every day they get to learn a little bit more about each other. Uh, they, they build trust uh, and discipline and kind of the new way, the new path of uh, taking ownership of the program. That's important. I mean, yes, it would help to be able to play some football games, but every day they've been able to practice, I'll take it, man, because I really do think there's growth going on. I mean, well, sure. Yeah, but we still want to see football games. Let's not go crazy. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like we we have to go through this whole process. You know, like they have to give – I mean, as of right now, we all think there's a, a decent, a good chance they're going to play. I mean, you know, the NC State game got moved back. We'll see uh, – you know, we're, all these schools went back to campus. Well, a lot of the schools like Florida State – brought kids back on campus this week. So things may change in the next seven to 10 days. Things may change 
by the time this airs. But, but uh, you know, it seems obviously things have been trending in the right direction. But the tough thing about this whole situation is to have any chance to play like the schools had to go all in. The coaches had to go all in. The players had to work out. They had to do everything they could to prepare for the season because, you know, if there's a chance they can play, they want to be ready to play. But none of that guarantees it's definitely going to happen. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But like to your point, though, we're, we're getting closer every day, every hour. feels like you're getting closer and closer to football. Heck, there's a football game scheduled for this weekend, uh, Austin P in Central Arkansas. And so oh. – um, and uh, and you know and I, you know I think as far as the overall big picture, yeah, I mean you know this time is important no matter what, but it would be huge to just get some games in, even if they can't get eight games in, even if they can't get six games in, just getting some games in I think would be important after all they've done this off season. Don't you think? Not that we're uh, we're scientists or anything, but don't you think it's it's September that's the really worrisome part? Like if you can get through September and only maybe postpone one game or not postpone any. I mean, don't you think that the habits of the college kids, by if they're still on campus and still in the town, which is an if, but if they are, don't you think they'll have, they'll have learned to adapt with it? And like the big rush, the big pockets, the clusters will come here right away, like we've seen at North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Notre Dame. But once they get into the rhythm of, hey, I'm going to wear a mask and I'm not going to go to that frat party, that the numbers will die down to the point that if you can play in September, you should be playing to December. Well, but I think the question is, can you get there? Um, because, you know, as we've seen at NC State, um, you know, once these kids come back on campus, the reality is it's the 18 to 22 year olds in this country have let us know that they don't care, that this is not something that's very concerning to them. And so they're going to party. They're going to I mean, what, 11 kids got arrested at an FSU former fraternity house over the weekend. President Thrasher had to send out that letter yesterday, basically admonishing the students and threatening to suspend students and take other action if they don't follow the protocols. So clearly they're concerned. Now, from what from what we've heard as of, you know, this week, going back to last week's testing, Florida State's in, in really good shape and they feel good about it. But what happened this past weekend, what's going to happen this week on campus could change a lot of that. So, yeah, you're right, but but you got to get to that point for to, for us to see if it matters. You know how every generation tends to, to kind of load the, the generation that comes after, or they tend to, or a couple of generations that come after, you tend to roll your eyes at the kids, our parents rolling their eyes at us, and, and their parents rolling their eyes at them, and you take it back a ways, and you're laughing at the way – that uh, households were running the 50s and you saw the pushback in the 60s and then the 70s. I don't know what the hell was going on. You just had everybody wearing well, pants that were way too yeah. tight, a lot of drugs, you know. And a lot of you drugs. Know? A lot of drugs yeah. and a lot of sex. But then you had the crazy 80s with a bunch of cocaine and advertising and all that good stuff, right? And Generation X and, you know, 90s, you get grunge and all that. Well, I swore all of that time, just being a student of history as I am, as you both know, uh, that when I became an adult and became a father, uh, I wouldn't roll my eyes at the young people of today. I would not admonish them and think less of them. But it turns out I was wrong. I hate them. <laughs> um, most of the kids today are a-holes, and they really do suck, and they are that kind of selfish, and it's embarrassing. And you're right, Ira. They have really – they've said it without a shadow of a doubt. They've expressed themselves very clearly – Screw you! Screw your rules! Screw anybody not named me! Not not doing what I not doing what I want to do! Screw this pandemic! Screw your potential death! 
screw it all. We're going to do whatever we want to do. Remember, this is also a generation that had to be told not to eat Tide Pods. So, you know what I mean? Like that, we did, I didn't want to be that guy either. I didn't want to, I didn't want to hate on a whole generation. And then you learn about Tide Pods and then you see the nonsense on TikTok. And I don't care if I'm the old man on the lawn. <laughs> Your lives are ridiculous. And I'm talking to my son. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, a fair point. are going to be about a part of that too. And don't forget about the synthetic weed that made them turn into zombies on bridges and start stabbing people that walk by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the bath salts. What's the yeah, matter with the- you guys? Yeah, good group of kids. Good group of kids. <laughs> I, yeah, man, we've we've been, you know, we've we've uh, posed this hypothetical for about four months now or five months now, and it just makes you wonder how we would have acted in the same circumstances when we were eighteen or twenty years old. Um, yeah, you'd like to think you'd have done better, but who knows? I mean, what's weird is it's not the reality is it's not all of them. I mean, I, you know, I can speak, I can defend my kid and tell you that she's been the 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 mask police at our house. Great. Like, well, you, what do you have to have a fifteen hundred on the SAT to get it? Is that well, the standard? Like, she's a genius. Of course she does, yeah. but not many people are her. That's the issue. So, so uh, you know, I'm sure it's not all of them. But the problem is, if you get a hundred of them in a fraternity house or two hundred in a in a restaurant turned bar, um, yeah, you're gonna have problems. So again, everything, you know, I guess going back to the big picture topic is. Florida State has had a really good preseason camp. It was for all of the things that happened over the last eight months. I think you have to feel like Mike Norvell and the staff have put them in a good position, as good a position as they can be in. You know, somebody asked me this week, you know, about all the time they missed and how it's going to affect them. And it's like, yeah, that's that's true. But it, it's not like they got affected and everybody else was doing their normal their normal workouts. I mean, everybody's had to deal with this so, to some degree. Well, yes, this is a first-year coaching staff. To some degree, if they, if they managed these eight months better than other staffs managed these eight months, that could show on the field. I mean, that, that we may see, you know, those season openers, those first two or three games may really be a, an indicative of who managed that process the best. And, uh, you know, I think Florida State feels like they did a really good job of it. You'd like to see them rewarded with the opportunity to show it. Seminole Headlines on 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Reacting to your point to end the last segment, Ira, I think uh, there's no doubt. I I really believe, and I know you've been bullish in in describing what you think is a a very, very good coaching staff, uh, a coaching staff whose message resonates with the players. I think we're seeing that just quoting the players consistently. Each segment seems to have uh, more and more growth in those areas of trust, right? They, they believe what, for example, coach Marv, since we were talking about Leonard Warner and others, I mean, how do you, how do you talk to coach Marv and not come away impressed? How do you, how do you spend five minutes with that guy and not think that guy's as buttoned up as they come. He holds himself as Leonard Warner said to a standard as a man, but also as an employee, he's uh, you know, I think applying that to that segment group, I think they've listened. But I can say throughout the last two weeks reading quotes from players that that seems to be true across the board. The areas where they're going to have problems are not going to have to do with discipline or the toxicity of a locker room, but rather just not being able to block people. And, you know, I think that's a a realistic concern. It's fair. It's been a consistent concern for five years, and it's frustrating. But at least it doesn't feel like they're also out of control. It feels like everybody's bought in and they're growing and they're becoming more mature. 
and they want to play for these coaches and they believe in them, you know, they just may not be good enough in some areas. Don't you think, though, like obviously last year they couldn't block anyone either. And they were, uh, what, what would you say, four plays away from nine wins? I mean, they were really close to winning some of the games they lost, and they couldn't block anybody. So the stuff you're talking about is the stuff that can matter right away. Like, nobody's expecting them to be the mid-'90s Cowboys this year on the offensive line. But they can be good enough to get you eight wins because everything else is a lot better. Special teams you actually care about. You actually have a special teams coach. How about that? That's something. That's a step up. <laughs> um, but, you know, the Leonard Warner one, the, I guess the reason Ira wrote it, and I, I'm going to go ahead and speak for you, Ira. You, you, can, uh, you can take a break. Uh, you know, it's it, – Leonard Warner is a guy that would have every reason in the world to be cynical. That's why he said he was going to enter the transfer portal. It was his third coach in four years. He started out with the national championship head coach recruiting him. Then it became Jimbo, that Jimbo, the I'm going to Texas Jimbo, and then Willie Taggart. And then he's got another guy coming in from Memphis. Of course he's like he's cynical. And then for him to say that it almost like brings tears to his eyes how much he likes mm-hmm. the coaching staff, that speaks volumes because – he doesn't have to say that. He's been here long enough. He's not trying to earn their good graces. I think I don't think Leonard Warner would say that unless he did unless he genuinely genuinely believed it. Because he's been through enough now. He's got the he's got better perspective than anybody. So for him to think that way about the coaching staff, doesn't that say what we all should think about the coaching staff? And really, yes, I think so. Yeah. And really, and I think there's other guys too. I mean, we, you know, Cyrus Fagan this week. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, uh, I started looking at. You know, you look at all that depth in that secondary. What happened to Corey there? Corey, no, no, Corey? I'm just, I put, I put the phone down so I can take a sip. <laughs> anyway, Corey's joining us uh, via, via phone, via uh, mm-hmm. Skype this time. But anyway. Dedication, dedication. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like Cyrus Fagan's a guy that you could see maybe being concerned about, hey, how am I going to get on the field? I mean, you know, he, he, he kind of took over – somewhat of a starting role at some points last season uh, and played a good bit and was productive, but they brought in a bunch more defensive backs. Now uh, you've got uh, Jaden Woodby and Hampson natural Dean are both you know back from their injuries. You've got a, these transfers coming in. You've got a good freshman class. Uh, you've got some guys that were sitting last year that are going to compete as well. Like the uh, uh, Raymond Woody, the third and all these guys. So you'd wonder, is he fully invested and I thought Cyrus Fagan talking this week to Kalen Brooks, another guy yeah. that is an older guy that you wonder if some of these older guys, they might see their playing time or opportunities marginalized by all this competition and all these new players. And those two guys I thought were more upbeat and more positive than when we spoke to them this week, than I've heard them in three or four years that they've been on campus. So, I mean, like literally there's, you know, again, we have to see it on the field, but everything has been so positive. Well, I think it's, again, and, and it's referenced, uh, you know, from Leonard Warner and others. But ultimately, we know that these kids that go on to play big-time college football are willing to sacrifice. They're willing to give up uh, a lot of what it means to, to be a college uh, a kid in college and, and, and some of the fun that you get to engage in or not engage in based on your discipline level while you're competing in a big-time sport like football. Uh, ultimately, I think coaches – have a huge impact if you trust them enough to make those sacrifices, to listen and to not do the things that you want to do, but rather adhere to a standard. Um, you know, it leads to successful things on the football field. And clearly when you get this many kids who are more upbeat and talking in a way that 
seems to show affection for their uh, their teammates and the staff. They they have bought in. They believe that the coaches know what the hell they're talking about. And that's kind of important, right? Because I, <laughs> I think when you when you some of these guys weren't coached by Jimbo. I, I'd say the majority of them by now weren't really coached by Jimbo. And so all they know is what they've known from the last year or two years. And then for this, it's a complete 180, this guy and his attention to detail, again, on everything. And you hear that, and you're like, yeah, okay, attention to detail, sure. They pointed out on film, hey, you did this wrong. No, 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 I brought this up on Wake Up War Chant. They don't just tell you on special teams, hey, I want you right here to block this guy. They talk about the steps to get there. How you should, how the, the, it should take you six steps to get there. Then you turn around, and I want you right here on this hash. Every little thing is, is detail-oriented, and when, they, when, they, when the players talk about the, the coaching staff, they t- that's almost all they talk about is the attention to detail, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I don't, I, you know, I don't think that's just coach speak or player speak. I think for the most part it seems like they're buying in. Now it would be nice for – like Ira said, it would be nice for them to get to see, to, to see the rewards uh, of their labor, in that, like playing games and see how it fits. But right now, you, you get the idea that they all believe in this coaching staff. At least the 40-something that we've talked to, they all seem to believe in this coaching staff and what they're doing. What do you guys make of Isaiah Bolden switching over to wide receiver? Probably a good move. Yeah, I think that's a really good move. Um, you know, he, again, he's one of those guys that he's shown a little bit, you know, at defensive back when he's gotten opportunities. He's had some injuries the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, he's definitely athletic, and we've seen him return kicks um, he's got some explosiveness, and you know when somebody asked Norvell today why what why what he likes about him at receiver, he's like, well, he's he's big and he's fast, so that's a pretty good combination. And they're loaded in the secondary, and you know I think receiver receiver is one position that we don't talk a lot about that is is thinner than than we probably have acknowledged. You know you got Tamari and Terry. Uh, you got Pokey Wilson, you got Keyshawn Helton coming back from injury. Uh, DJ Matthews' status is still up in the air. Uh, he hasn't been back at practice. It sounds like Norvell said he and DJ have spoken, uh, but he's Whatever not back at a, he, he's not back at practice yet. So if he's coming back, that means he's serving some sort of uh, disciplinary uh, measure before he can come back. And so, on Tuesday, Ira, to interrupt you. On Tuesday, Ron Dugans was asked about Warren Thompson and DJ Matthews and only answered about Warren Thompson. Yeah. So, so I kind of so, could read into that too a little bit. Yeah. So there's obviously real questions there. And then, um, you know, beyond that, they've got some young guys that have potential. Like, you know, people have been excited about, you know, they got the freshman Kentron Portier who uh, from Miami, who everybody's excited about because he's had some nice plays in practice. But when uh, I think Kurt from the Democrat asked uh, Ron Dugans if he felt like, uh, He's proven himself yet. And he Dugan just kind of looked at him like proven himself. Like I mean, yeah, he's he's made some plays in practice, but there's a long way from doing that uh, to actually being productive and in, in a, in a consistent member of the offense. So I think receivers an issue a, a position where they they're not as deep as I think we probably acted or or because we haven't really focused on it too much. Um, if he can help there, I think it's a big deal. They could always move Jalen Goss to receiver. <laughs> Yeah, that's an option. Just to lose a few more pounds. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think it's uh, it's good now whether or not he can help a ton. Norvell definitely seemed to be pretty excited about the first couple of days. Um, and he's, like I said, he has returned kicks. So he's had the ball in his hands before. Guys, I want you to know, by the way, as we complete this segment, that I'm more talented than even you guys realized. In the midst of your answer, Ira and Corey, your retort to Ira and your additions, 
I was forced to read your lips, both of you, the entire time because my AirPods went dead for whatever reason for the second time during this podcast. And I think I know every single word you guys said. I had a good feeling for it while I waited. And I didn't panic. I didn't panic. I got it. He thinks it's a good move because he's athletic and that the, thin, the group of wide receivers is thin. We don't know the status of DJ Matthews. Warren Thompson's a little iffy. And then I, I heard what uh, Cor- oh, I read Corey's lips. I realized I got, you know, I'm all right. I can not only be a broadcaster, but I can be a listener. Man, well, isn't it's impressive, and especially because he didn't he didn't see what you said about his mom. Quite obviously, no, because he didn't respond no. to that. Well, what I was gonna say is, uh, if you need in the next segment, uh, Corey actually has been working on his signing, and so I could uh, he can he can help you out. Uh, sure, but I'm holding my phone, Ira. I can't do it with oh, my hand. All right, my bad, my bad. He's not that good, Ira. Yeah. Seminole headlines on 979 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole headlines presented by Capital City Bank returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Hey, one more thing on the receivers since we were talking about it at the end of last segment. I am kind of curious for both of your opinions. What, what do you think is going to happen ultimately with Warren Thompson? I, I, I know we're speculating it's an opinion question, because he is really talented. And, you know, it's one of those things where if he plays and he's locked in and he cares and he can keep control of his temper or whatever else, his emotions, I think he can really, really be huge for this team, to say the least. But I don't know that I trust that that's going to happen. Am I the only one, or where, where are you guys at with that? Well, I mean, I'm not 100% trustworthy in the kid. We have no reason to be. Um, the way Dugan's talked about him uh, on Tuesday I thought was – a little bit illuminating that they, they saw me giving up on him and uh, they know how good he could be. So you hope this is the last deal with him and that um, they're definitely going to need him If he, if he's a part of the team, they're definitely, you don't, you don't shoo away six, four guys that can run like that. So, uh, so they're definitely going to need him. I, I think, I, I think he'll end up, I think he'll end up having a, well, no, I'm not going to say that. There's a chance he can end up having a really good career at Florida state. There's also a chance, you know, that he never makes a dent. So I didn't answer your question at all. That's all right. a good summation there, Corey. Yeah. Yep. I thought uh, it was. I, thought it was. Uh, I would say this. I'm curious to see how he responds to what Norvell did, because I don't know. You know, I don't know how many people I don't know how many people in their lives have had somebody kind of put their neck uh, out there for them the way Mike Norvell has uh, in this situation. I mean, there there was a lot of people in the program that thought Warren Thompson should should go away. Um, this wasn't his first issue. It wasn't even his first issue in terms of social Are you talking about this program or the Florida State football program? The Florida State football program, uh, not Seminole Headlines. Uh, well, probably both, <laughs> I guess, maybe. Uh, there was a strong – there was at least a vocal minority for sure. There were, you know, there, there were definitely people in the FSU football program, the athletics department, who felt like, okay, we've given him chances. This is a second time now he and his family have kind of gone after uh, the coaching staff, different coaching staffs on social media. And, uh, you know, and I think there was, from what we had heard over that weekend, that there was a strong leaning towards that they were, that they were going to part ways. When I think Warren Thompson went to Mike Norvell and talked to him and for Mike Norvell to take him back and to, to give him this chance, that could mean everything to, to him. It could mean everything to Warren Thompson. I don't know how many people have done that for. I mean, think back in your life, and we've had probably much more fortunate lives than Warren Thompson has. I remember a couple instances in my life where people have have reached out to me in a difficult time, and and when they didn't have to, 
And that's always stuck with me. And those people for the rest of my life, I will ever forever be indebted to and will do things for them. So you got to think if Warren Thompson is salvageable, he'll be salvaged by that. And if he doesn't, if he, if it doesn't work out, then man, Mike Norvell did everything he could and it just won't happen. But, but because of that, that might motivate that guy in any time in the future where he may be kind of leaning and maybe veering off course, you'd hope that that effort for Mike Norvell would keep him on track. And if it does, it could be a huge deal because, I mean, he could be another Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, there's no doubt. Ira, I appreciate your willingness to be forthright because I'll tell you what, I remember in your early days, right when you came on the beat and you started covering the yep. team, yep. A, lot of, a lot of people told me, keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on him. He can, he can, there are things about that guy's past. I don't want to get into it because I think he's turned the corner. We gave him second chances and third chances and reached out to him. But, Jeff, just keep an eye on that guy right well, there. Well, it was carousing. It was so much carousing. Yeah. Excessive carousing. And that time, you know, 300 bucks was missing from your wallet. You could have come right to me and accused me, but you I didn't. Could've, I could have. Well, and, you know, I thought about it. I realized what was at play there. You probably needed that money more than I did at that time. And I just, just thought, you know what? Maybe he didn't do it. Chances are he did. But he must have done it for a reason. So I'm going to give him a little space and a little time, and we're going to let that slide. It was just odd that he broke into your home. <laughs> like, it, it wasn't like at lunch or something. He, while you were sleeping with your family, he's breaking into your home to steal money. Look, we don't have to revisit all of this, guys. I know we don't well, have to relitigate it, but it still I, angers me to think about <laughs> Yeah, but if not for second chances, Corey, we would all be on the side of the I road, thought, buddy. So I felt like just... it was more like his fourth chance, but I understand. And look where he is today. So you made the right decision. Well, and that's what Warren Thompson can do. He can rise. Yeah. He could be like a phoenix, just like Ira. Ira's a star in the business now. Yeah. Warren Thompson right now, we don't know what he could be, but we knew Ira could write, even amidst the drug problems and the stealing. We knew he could write, <laughs> but we just had to give him those opportunities. Warren Thompson, we know he can play. He's a pain in the ass. He says and does dumbass things all the time, and he has guardians to do the same. But, you know, you got to hang in there with the guy because he can really play. There's a lot of potential there, and he's yours now. He's a part of the family. And Ira was a part of our family, even though, you know, the headlines family, I guess we should say. And we, You look out for your own. You look out for your yeah. own. So, so I'm proud so of you. Basically, Warren Thompson just needs to be the Ira Schofel of that receiving court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, meet, 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 meet your potential. <laughs> meet your potential, Warren. If this program <laughs> keeps going in the direction it's been going the last three years, there are going to be some Irish Chauffels in the receiver core eventually. <laughs> Real possession guys. Real possession yeah. guys. Gritty. Like gritty yeah. on the field type guys. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're not the guys that you would describe to light up the scoreboard. They're not going to change it in one play. But they'll make that catch. They'll make that catch. Second and eight. It's second like, and eight. Yeah, it's second and eight. That's right. Is this a... Is this segment still going on? Are we still doing this segment? It's been a great one. A little second and eight, followed by a little third and six. Chappelle with two catches. Average two so, yards up. So, hey, on third and six, I will get you two yards. That's right. Believe it. Yep. A little more room little for the party. A little fourth and four, and uh, we got a decision to make depending on where we are on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, if you guys give updates on this, uh, have you heard anything about how the competition's going in terms of uh, field goals, extra points? I mean, he was asked on Saturday, right? And he said he didn't want to, like, uh, give away the answer. It certainly sounds like, well, I shouldn't even say that. He said they'll probably come to a decision, like, what, early next week, Ira, you think, is when they wanted to put a time to 
but he kept saying, I don't really want to put a timetable on it. I want the competition. When it came to punts, he made sure to mention Tommy Martin, uh, which he hadn't all preseason. But, but I when think he was that, asked about Mastro Mano, Mastro Mano, is that how we're saying it, Ira? I'm going to call him Alex. Yeah. He was asked how Alex, the Aussie, was doing and how he did in the scrimmage. And he's Papuchas was like, yeah, he did well. But, hey, Tommy Martin had a really good week of practice, too. And that competition's not over. So. Does, does Aussie Alex work? Can we, can we, can we just call him Aussie Yeah, I mean, Alex? Aussie Alex is that we can come up with something better than that. Okay. Um, but he – uh, you know, th- uh, you know, Thunderfoot. That, Thunderfoot's not a bad one either. Thunderfoot. The, uh, the uh, you know, somebody texted me, by the way, about Graham Gano the other day, about him re-signing, uh, getting another opportunity. And they just texted me a picture of onions, like a gif of onions. And I didn't, uh, like, I didn't get it at first. I was like, what, are, why are you cutting onions? Like, what, is are they crying? Well, it was, I just, it was the, I think the, it was the Remember gif. Remember what time of that life, what time of Iris' life Gano was in Florida State, at Florida State, Jack? Uh, there you go. Same you know, thing. We were just yep. we were okay. just talking about it. Some yep. tough times. <laughs> uh, but no, to, your, to answer your question, I mean, I my guess if I had to pick, I'm going to say Mastromano is going to be the punter. I think Ryan Fitzgerald is going to win the kicker. Um, but it it sounds like it's a good competition. I mean, I, I'm curious to see if they do something. I think Growth House has the stronger leg. Um, yeah. And so. Um, you know, maybe he's the long distance guy. I just don't know if he's he would have to get a lot more consistent than what we saw last year. I, th- I think. Corey, you know, uh, at least as it pertains to me, I bring it up because I hold kickers to a very high standard. Right. Very high standard. Like what you think is a raging success, I don't share. That's so just I, doing you know, the job. With, I got you. Right. With with, with me, it's kind of like I give you very little wiggle room. I'll call out people that win Lou Groza awards. I'll call out people that make 17 in a row. Uh, you know, you got to show up really consistently. So I just need you to keep your eyes on that one. I will, man. I will. And I'll tell you what, though, uh, the Grote House is going to be the kickoff guy for sure. That guy yeah. has a – you talk about a Thunderfoot. Good grief. Yeah. So you got that taken care of. You just don't know who the who – the, you got to assume the, the Aussie is going to be the punter. Yeah. And that, yeah, the, the scholarship kid will be the kicker. I mean, when Tommy Martin punted last year, I mean, he he had some really nice punts early on when he first got the job, but then he had a bunch of 30 yards. Yeah, like he had like something crazy, like 15 or 16 50-yard punts, but still averaged less than 40 or like right at 40. So that tells you you had a lot of 17-yarders too to mix in there <laughs> with all those 50-yarders. So got to develop a little consistency there, Tommy. Do you guys, do you guys want to – Real quick. Do you guys want to see a lot of like the Australian style punts or not? Yes. Yeah. I like them. I like them. I want them. I love them. I want to see a ton of them. Thunderfoot's not screwing around. We're going to be all right with him. Okay. Good. Good to know. There you go. There's the capper. Seminole headlines. Ninety-seven Eastern Radio continues. Seminole headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole headlines presented by Capital City Bank returns now on ninety-seven nine ESPN Radio. Wrapping up the hour, and as we do so, I should note, by the way, that um, I guess at this stage through two scrimmages and the coverage that you guys have provided on Warchant.com, coupled with uh, everything that we've heard from the coaches, it's safe to say the defense we believe will be good, maybe even elite, and the offense is going to be embarrassingly bad. I don't know if I agree with that last part. I'm not even sure I agree with the first part. I don't know. They, I don't think they're going to be. A, uh, they have a chance to be elite. I think they can be a lot better though. And uh, I think the offense will be. 
even if it's just as good as it was last year, which all you lost was Cam Akers. And who was that's he? all that's what all he do. Um, so, yeah, you, but you did get your receiver back and that's a big deal. And I do like these. I like these guys on offense, the coaching staff. So if you can be as good as you were last year on offense, which isn't asking for much, they didn't set the world on fire. And then your defense is much improved. Again, that's a recipe for eight or nine wins. I'm calling it. I'm saying it. Got to have the defense good. It would, um, it would, I just, the combination of the offensive line, not, I mean, it's just going to be, it is what it is. And then James, um, you know, he I just, what I don't, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't get the sense that we're going to see a, a different, a transformational James Blackman this year. Um, so that combination is tough. I mean, it's just tough to be a good offense if you don't have a good offensive line and 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 you uh you know you're not very good at quarterback. So now maybe when Chubba gets back, maybe he's the next Sam Howell, and and so then that changes things. Um, but from from my perspective, I think you know they're gonna have to win with defense, special teams, and just be opportunistic on offense and not kill themselves on offense. That's one thing I will say, you know. And I know, Corey, you you listen to you on Wake Up sometimes. You'll you'll kind of, you know, talk up the job that the offensive staff did last year. And I mean, they did put up some points, they put up some yards, but I didn't think they managed. I don't think FSU's offensive staff managed the game um, to keep to keep them in check. They had so many plays for negative plays. They didn't do anything to help the defense, is what I'm saying. Never there was never anything to help the defense. And I think this staff will do a better job of using. Uh, of limiting the mistakes by the offense to help the defense and the defense should be really good. So I think that's a, it's a you know, it's going to keep them in games and give them a chance to beat the weaker competition. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that's a good formula, but that to me, that's the big difference for this staff is I, I felt like Kendall, their goal was to just put up points and put up yards and it, it wasn't really in the context of trying to win the game the best way possible. Don't you feel like Kendall was almost like, this is going on my resume, what I do with this season? Like, I'm going to turn the 111th offense in the country. If I can get them in the top 50 or so, that will be great for my resume. It wasn't – yeah, I mean, I, I totally 100% agree with you on that. Uh, this Dillingham and Norvell are different. Like, you know, Dillingham wants to win games with Norvell. Um, this isn't a, a hired gun. This is a guy that, you know, didn't Nor- Norvell hired him out of a high school, right? Like he had never yeah, he just coached assistant. high school. He's a high, like, he's a student assistant in high school. Like, don't you think they'll be okay? Yeah. Like, like Jimbo would have been fine winning a game with 220 yards of offense. Like, and I think this staff will be that way. Is Jeff's mics? Can he not hear us again? I'm listening to every word. I just don't uh, interrupt. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> now, attention. Now, I actually uh, have been wrapped with attention because. You kind of just reiterated what I said. The defense is going to be good, and the offense is going to be god awful. No, um, and you, you, just, you, yeah, you, you pretty much did just reiterate exactly what I said, which was the original premise, which is you guys had flowery language to describe ineptitude, and that's nice. That's nice, but I, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming the staff. They got to work with what they got. They've got kind of dried up clay. They really can't mold it the way they want to. They got things that are just, you got to do the best they can. It's going to be a dinosaur with cracks in it. And maybe the trunk will fall off if they make a mastodon. They really can't keep it all together. But, but, but as they get better material, they'll be able to mold a, a better looking uh, prehistoric animal. I don't, I don't think it's going to – is that what you do with clay is you mold prehistoric animals? That's all. That's oh, the only wait. thing you're allowed to do. Oh, okay. Again, I go yeah. back to that, the ghost scene. Yeah. That's what I do with clay. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. saddle up behind Demi Moore yeah. and say yeah. it's go time. It's go yeah. time. Um, but I, I, the offense isn't going to be elite. I think we can all agree on that. It, <laughs> but it can be it can be okay. It can be decent. And if you have a decent defense and a decent offense and good special teams, that's a nice recipe, man. That's something that that's a recipe that hasn't been around here in a long while. Yeah, no. Listen, I think they're going to be a lot better football team. Football team. They're going to be a better football team because they're going to be smart about what they ask their offense to do. They're going to play to their defense. They are going to have good special teams. They are going to be well coached. I'm impressed with this staff. I do think it's a better product, uh, even with uh, the the as described ineptitude that I'm referring to on offense. It's just that Ira. The one thing Ira said that uh, I think a lot of listeners probably perked up when they were taking that in is. I don't think we're going to see a transformational James Blackman was the quote uh, from Ira, which is code for he still sucks, everybody. He still sucks like you remember him sucking. And that is exactly what that means. Well, I don't don't. I don't think we need. I don't think. I don't think we need you providing the subtext to to uh, my my phraseology. I think that uh, works. I mean, we're shooting the people straight. It's what we do on this show. The problem, though, legitimately, the problem with Blackman is that now there's no competition. Like, I think if Chubba was there, he would have had to raise his game. Jordan Travis didn't scrimmage. So, and Tate Rodemaker is not going to be the starting quarterback on September 12th. So, he didn't comp- – again, I'm going to bring it up again because it's my saying. But we know what Iron does, guys. <laughs> iron weaker. So, James, James needed some more iron in the competition, and there isn't any. He knows it's his, and that's what I wonder about moving forward over these next two and a half weeks. Is I think he could have been really been really been pushed, and if he'd have won the job outright over Chuba, who apparently might be Mr. Glass, like just can't stay healthy. My man falls into a glass table in the off season, has to go to the hospital, and then his first time he's tackled in college, he breaks a collarbone. We're gonna need it, Chuba. We're we can't have this Chuba showing up. So, but if Chuba had been there for the whole preseason camp. Number one, he might have won the job, but if he hadn't, wouldn't all, wouldn't everyone trust that James Blackman had raised his level to outplay him? I really hope, he doesn't have to do that. I really, first of all, I really hope the Purdies, as new members of the Florida State family, aren't just tuning into Seminole headlines from Arizona. Yeah, and hearing uh, you uh, question my man's toughness. Well, Mister Glass is a term of endearment, and it 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 plays into him falling through a glass table. And then second of all. I don't know that extra competition is going to make James Blackman. I mean, I just think, you know, he's oh, James Blackman. Here we go. So, You're right, Jeff. He was saying that he's still so, terrible. So, no. I, that I'm subtext just, was correct. <laughs> I'm just saying it is what it is. So that's what I want to see. I want to see. I want to see what this coaching staff does. I mean, it's going to be – the key to me is – How do they uh, coach around it? Go ahead. You can yeah. say it. I mean, that's the, the whole situation, the offensive line and, and you know, the fact that they're going to be – you know, probably pretty average at quarterback. Um, I do, you know, I, I think the last couple days, it seems like the players in, in Norvell seem a little bit more optimistic about the offense. Um, but, you know, the season's two weeks away and and you'll have to see how they are. But I just, you know, I think I'd, I'd be very, um, if I'm that coaching staff, I would, you know, I would be very conservative on offense. I just would, I would, I, I just would not, put myself in a position where I'm going to let this offense lose us games, especially against average competition. Headliner questions forthcoming. Hang in there with us. Seminole Headlines continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. 